Hello and welcome to the Respiratory Inspirations podcast. I'm Rai Dwake, chairman of the Respiratory Institute at the Cleveland Clinic. This podcast series of short, digestible episodes is intended for patients and families and covers topics related to respiratory health and disease. My colleagues and I will be interviewing experts about timely and timeless topics in the areas of pulmonary, critical illness, sleep, infectious disease, and related disciplines. We will share with you information that will help you take better care of yourself and your loved ones. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello. Our podcast today is on post-intensive care syndrome and uh, post-ICU recovery clinic uh, here at the Cleveland Clinic. I want to welcome uh, Dr. Michelle Beal, who is going to be our guest uh, today. Dr. Beal is the director of the uh, post-intensive care recovery program at the Cleveland Clinic. She's a staff physician in the Department of Critical Care Medicine and the Department of Pulmonary Medicine at the Cleveland Clinic. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you very much for having me, Dr. Cooley. I am Dr. Hassan Cooley. I'm the Department Chair for uh, Critical Care Medicine in the uh, Respiratory Institute at the Cleveland Clinic. We're going to talk today about a such an important topic and a, a common, unfortunately, as well here. So for our consumers, for people really who are not as much familiar with the term or maybe even with the ICU environment, maybe we can start by you describing what the intensive care unit environment is like uh, and uh, set the stage for future uh, more questions that we can engage about the syndrome itself. Sure. So ICU stands for intensive care unit, and that's a place in the hospital where patients go when they are severely ill or critically ill with critical injuries. An ICU is a place where you're going to have advanced monitoring system for these patients and advanced uh, therapies. It's a fast-paced environment, many times very noisy, where patients are in a room, they are being monitored with different cables, different types of advanced monitorings. They might have lines in their, in their arms and to monitor uh, and to provide medications. They're gonna, they might have a breathing tube that's helping them breathe. The team that takes care of these patients is usually a large number of, uh, of healthcare professionals. So it's a multidisciplinary team. So patients and families might see many providers coming in and out of the room. And for, for example, there is going to be a nurse, a respiratory therapist. Uh, they're going to have physical therapists, occupational therapists coming to, to see them, physicians, uh, different types of specialties, but there is an intensivist that are going to be seeing these patients and as well as other types of, uh, of physicians. There is advanced care providers like nurse practitioners or physician assistants who are also part of the team, a pharmacist who is also part. So it's a environment that can be very stressful for patients and for family members, but this multidisciplinary team is there to help patients get better and, and quick. Thank you, Michelle. I think for many of us who work in such an environment, we take it for granted uh, and, and we're used to it. But you're right. I mean, you really described it very well of what that environment is uh, like, uh, how fast-paced it can be. What I really liked uh, also how you emphasize the role of the team, 
that these are really team efforts. They're led by a physician who uh, is caring for the patient and leading for the you know leading the team with all these people who are their main focus is is, is to uh, care for the patient and care for the families as well who are uh, going through that uh, experience being critically ill in the intensive care unit. So maybe we can actually talk a little bit more specifically about the post-intensive care syndrome and what is that? How can you describe it in a simple term for us? Sure. So uh, post-intensive care syndrome is a term that it goes by PICS, P-I-C-S. And this term was created uh, in 2012 as an easy way for us physicians and healthcare professionals to understand what ICU survivors uh, go through after they have been through a critical illness. So it encompasses an umbrella of deficits or or difficulties that patients encounter after being in the ICU. And those deficiencies or impairments can be in a physical way, mental health or like emotional, psychological, as well as cognitive. And it's extremely common after patients have been in the ICU to have those issues. Thank you, Michelle. Maybe you can, you know, elaborate a little bit more about like what what examples of these uh, physical or cognitive or psychological uh, symptoms that patients may experience when they uh, have such syndrome. Sure. So physical, it's quite common patients to have weakness, to have tiredness, fatigue, shortness of breath. They might have trouble swallowing. They might have trouble just doing basic things uh, that they used to do before being in the ICU, and now they have to relearn. For example, walking or taking a shower or eating on their own. So those things, a lot of patients have trouble, which you call activities of daily living or ADLs, and then they need rehabilitation to learn how to do those things again. Also, uh, extremely common is mental health or psychological issues. So patients may be quite worried uh, after they get home with getting sick again. They might have sad mood. Depression can develop. They can have anxiety. They can be feeling quite on the edge or restless. They might have low pleasure on doing things. And something we call PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder is also common. So these are patients who keep having nightmares or ideas of what happened to them in the ICU. So they keep having some uh, images that they are not, you know, they don't know what was real, what was not. And that goes because patients were a lot of times on sedation in the ICU. And they have those gaps in the knowledge of what happened to them when they were admitted to an ICU. And this can be quite frightening to the patients and usually manifest as like nightmares or, or, uh, or ideas of when they were in the unit. In terms of cognitive issues, that goes by memory difficulties, lack of attention, lack of finding the right word, uh, can be very forgetful, and, and this is also quite common after being in the ICU. A lot of symptoms, and I can imagine how this could be overwhelming for patients and for families and, and caregivers who are caring for them, uh, uh, too. So it's good to know about all of that. Uh, I think many of us, regardless of in what role we are in, if you are familiar with healthcare or if we are a patient, we like to know what's ahead. We want to know what to expect uh, sometimes so we can be, uh, we can be more prepared uh, there. So thank you for sharing all of this with us, Michelle. Who is usually affected by it? Is it everybody who comes through the intensive? 
intensive care unit, are there some patients who tend to have more likelihood chance of, of being affected by this? Sure. So there are risk factors or there are patients that uh, might develop this uh, more commonly. And those patients are the ones who are in the ICU for a prolonged period of time, over a week or so. Those patients who have a breathing, a tube and a breathing machine, which is the mechanical ventilation. Those patients who have confusion, what we call delirium during the ICU stay, as well as something you call ARDS or acute respiratory distress syndrome, which is a severe form of, of respiratory failure. So patients who are severely ill, the, the, the highest acuity uh, in the ICU are those who are going to have high risk factors to develop post-intensive care syndrome. Unfortunately, it's very common extremely common. Uh, literature goes from 50 to 80% of patients. So can you imagine half of the patients who leave the ICU might have this? And it is extremely important to understand you know, what it is for the community, for patients who live, so they know that they are not alone on this, that are other people going through the same thing, and there are things that can be done to help them in their journey to recovery. So I think awareness is really key, not only for healthcare professionals, but for patients and families who are really leaving the unit, getting home, what they might expect happen to them during those and, and knowing that this is common and, and they are not alone on, the, on this. Thank you, Michelle. I'm sure for our audience who are listening to all of this, uh, they're uh, quite interested, curious about, can this be prevented? You know, what can they do, them or, or their families, to prevent this, if any? Sure. So, during their ICU stay, there are several things that the healthcare professional team can do that we have learned over several years and decades that, that we can do to prevent these impairments. And we have something, we have bundles of care. One is quite well studied and quite, you know, disseminated in the ICUs, ICUs which is called ABCDEF bundle. Each letter stands for a bundle of care that we provide to patients as a team to prevent the development of this post-intensive care syndrome. And I, I would like to mention one that is the, the F, which it stands for family. And that is the family engagement in the patient care, the family empowerment. And I really want to emphasize how important it is to have family members at the bedside with these patients when they are sick in the ICU. Families are a familiar face for these patients, a familiar voice. They help the patients feel more familiarized with the environment when they see a family member there. They help also the team members to make decisions for, for the next steps on the patient care. So a lot of times patients are under sedation, on a coma state, and they cannot verbalize their wishes. And the family is there to represent the patient and uh, to help us understand, you know, where that patient was before the ICU and what their, you know, wishes would be in that critical moment. Yeah, thank you, Michelle. I'm, I'm really glad that you uh, stressed out the role, the important role, the active role that families play uh, in, in the intensive care unit and in potentially also help mitigate or help really prevent uh, such syndrome uh, that can uh, affect patients uh, who are in the ICU. They're key. Our you know, families of patients are really key. Part of the team, as, as you described it, uh, in the intensive care unit. Uh, so 
maybe, you know, this could be a, a good uh, time to talk about the post-intensive care recovery clinic that, that you lead here uh, for us uh, at the Cleveland Clinic. So please share with us what you like the audience to hear about this uh, program. Sure. So I would like to uh, start saying that there are things to prevent uh, post-intensive care syndrome, as, an, as I mentioned, and there are several interventions that can help mitigate or, or treat post-intensive care syndrome. And one of these interventions are a post-ICU recovery clinic or, or program that help to recognize these uh, patients' deficits or impairments that they are having after being in the ICU, help them understand what they are going through, validate their symptoms, normalize their experience, and help them in their, in their journey to recovery. So we open our post-ICU recovery clinic here in the, at the Cleveland Clinic in December of 2019 after several months of work with other healthcare professionals. So we were a, a team of healthcare professionals that got together with the idea of open a, a, a post-ICU clinic. So post-ICU clinics are usually a multidisciplinary team. And uh, meaning there are different healthcare professionals. That's going to be a physician. That's going to be a nurse practitioner or physician assistant. That's going to be our team, for example, has also a physical therapist that is part of the team, a pharmacist, and a respiratory therapist. All of these team members see the patients when they come to our clinic, and we develop a plan as a team to what are the next steps in this patient's recovery. And if I can elaborate a little bit more on the clinic, we developed the clinic just a few months. Uh, so December 2019, we opened the clinic just a few months COVID hit. So the pandemic really started in March of, of 2020. And at that point, we already have the clinic uh, running. And I think that was extremely helpful for patients and also for us healthcare professionals to be ready to really see all of those patients who are coming out of our ICUs with several different problems. So we like to see patients after they are being uh, discharged at home, uh, two to four weeks. That's usually a good time to assess them. We have several what we call like screening tools that we evaluate to really check how are their emotional state during those days after being in the in the ICU. How are their cognition? to assess their, their physical state. Are they having weakness, shortness of breath? We, did, we do a few tests before they come to clinic to have objective assessment. And, and we really talk with these patients about their ICU stay. So we try to do a debrief, meaning we go over what happened to them. It's very interesting that some patients don't want to talk or have never talked to anyone about it. Mm. And we bring that and they mention that was very beneficial to them, how helpful it was for them to understand what happened. That was we were the first team that talked to them about the ICU stay or, or asked them about how they, you know, what they remember, how they felt after being in the ICU. And I think as I said, validating their symptoms that they are having, normalizing that this is, that this is common and that we have a way to help them in, in their recovery. It's extremely helpful and, and uh, patients feel uh, reassured. Thank you, Michelle. And, you know, really great that you have shared some 
person, you know, patient experiences, what they uh, what they tell you, uh, what they share with you and the team uh, in, in our uh, clinic. I think I'm sure, you know, this will be helpful for people. It's really a nice venue uh, for people to engage in a, in a conversation uh, and share what they're feeling. And you're right, you know, validate, confirm, acknowledge that these symptoms are real. It's not only in their heads. Uh, uh, it is exactly. uh, something that they can, uh, when they experience... And also look for hope, I would imagine, you know, that there are certain things that you and our team who work in that clinic uh, can provide them help. So maybe we can elaborate on the on the hope aspect of it. How do you see that playing out or, or being part of the message uh, or the care plan uh, when you work with uh, such patients who uh, come to our clinic? Yes, so the patients come and a lot of times they are extremely worried with how they uh, are, that they are not doing the things they used to do before, or they're taking a long time to recover. Some patients are uh, sad because they're not having the lives that they used to have before. And families are also quite in distress because of their loved ones. So when we see them, having them understand that, that this is common and we have ways to help them, with physical therapy, pulmonary rehabilitation, it's going to help them uh, regain their lung function or improve their lung function. Perhaps cognitive rehabilitation or cognitive therapy. We talk about the mental health, the psychological, and how uh, helpful might be some patients to have a counselor, a psychologist, or a psychiatrist to manage their medications. And, and in that way, I think the patients feel hopeful and, and we we strategize and we plan steps in their recovery. What are priorities? Because sometimes patients need a lot of things to be done. And we help them prioritize what is the next what are the next steps and that you're, you know, in your in your journey to recovery. And something that I wanna mention that is also quite important is that post-intensive care syndrome also extends to family members. We call mm-hmm. PICS family or PICS F. So family members can also suffer, especially the psychological aftas, a complicated grief. And, and, and I, what I mean by grief is that they are taking care of their loved ones who are now impaired. They have some disabilities for them to help. And they're not the, the, the same ones as, as they were before. So they might be sad. They might be depressed. These family members might have to quit their jobs to take care of the loved ones. Mm. Or they also experience significant distress when they work with the loved ones, seeing everything that they, they went through in the ICU. So we're talking with these family members and acknowledging that, that they also need to look for help, for support, so they can better help and support their loved ones who have been through the ICU. So this is also a, a point that we do in the clinics that I think that are extremely important for the family members to hear that. Thank you, Michelle. I, you know, you describe a program that is really providing a, a lot of help in terms of coordination of care. And, you know, from a patient perspective, a family perspective, when they know they have to have really a lot of testing, see many doctors or many people who uh, might be able to help them and have the opportunity to come to this clinic program and work with you and your team that is the quarterback uh, with a, a great expertise and knowledge and can guide them, answer it, and take care of things that are there with many people there and, and uh, save them maybe some time and give them a, a more clear directions or where things are going. That is very helpful to the patient and possibly to their families. Maybe you can uh, describe what are certain things the program 
maybe finding challenging things that we can work on. Uh, some people who may be listening to us may feel that they can help or they want to contribute to this excellent program that uh, you lead. Sure. So I think disseminating the importance of what patients go through, meaning educating, getting ourselves all aware of post-intensive care syndrome, as we are aware, so much aware, more aware of like diabetes, hypertension. So this is also a, a very common thing that patients go through after being in the ICU. So I think educating and, and all of us being more aware of this condition is important and that there are resources. So how patients can look for resources, for example, in their cities, neighborhoods, and find this post-ICU recovery clinic. So Ask your, your provider about a resource, you know, look for this post-ICU recovery clinics that are uh, at this moment several in the United States. Our clinic has a, a website that has a lot of information about it, has a video to explain uh, how the clinic goes that I think is quite helpful. And we are open to any patient who have been in the ICU. We have those patients with high risk factors, but the clinic and in general other clinics are open to patients who have been in the ICU in general and want to have more support in their journey. Great. Michelle, maybe you can share with us a, uh, a final message. Uh, what message you like to share with the people who are listening to us as a conclusion to this podcast? Yes. So as I think of ICU survivors, I think of, of them, and I want them and family members to know that this is common. This happens to a lot of patients who survive the ICU. That is help, that is hope. Patients might be quite in distress with the things that they are going through after being in the ICU, after now being home. Sometimes it's pretty much another big step in their recovery after they hit home, and there are resources to help them. There are post-ICU recovery programs to help them. There are many places have uh, peer support groups that can help them uh, in their recovery, and the importance of bringing that up to their healthcare providers, talking about what symptoms they are having, you know, with their family members, and then looking for help. Um, I think that's uh, one of my, you know, I think one of the main messages, the, the journey to recovery uh, is, is usually a long journey, and focus on their improvements that they're going to have. Sometimes it's a little win, going one day at a time, and focusing also on the things that they can control. And keep, you know, moving moving forward, I think, also having a mindset that sets up that, okay, now I am here to look for help, in, you know, in this, let's say they go in a clinic, and how they can keep moving forward uh, with, with their recovery. I think that's what I would like to, to leave here. Thank you for sharing this positive message of, uh, of hope and uh, what you can do to help uh, what our program and the clinic uh, can do to help patients and families who are seeking that and needing that. This concludes our podcast today on post-intensive care syndrome and uh, post-intensive care recovery clinic program uh, here at the Cleveland Clinic. My uh, guest today is Dr. Michelle Beal the uh, director for the post-intensive care recovery clinic here at the Cleveland Clinic. I am Hassan Kouli, the department chair for critical care medicine at the Cleveland Clinic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Respiratory Inspirations podcast. For more stories and information from the Cleveland Clinic Respiratory Institute, you can follow me on Twitter at tryedwakemd. 